Okay, I start every episode by saying I am so excited to talk to you, but you and I talked before this, and I admitted I am a I've been a fan of yours since you were at Gravity Tank. I am really excited to talk to you, and we did meet in real life one time in a weird yeah. example, in a weird instance, and a great instance, not weird. It, that was it great. Was, yeah, but it was weird. Be, uh, well, okay, first off, first off, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, if you're watching, this is Maris Garcia. Uh, I will. You are going to learn so much about her in the next, you know, few minutes here. Um, I have been so impressed following your career. I've been so impressed that I have tried to emulate what you do and who you are, like Cliff Notes version. I'm like, oh, yeah. I think she does this. I want to try to do that. I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, just like try to tell people, maybe in terms that my mother would understand, what, what do you do professionally? Yeah, uh, I come from the world of human-centered design. And so I would say human-centered design is a combination of research, strategy, and design to create new things. could be anything. Um, there's a set of values, methods, a process. I do some or all of that, depending on what we're doing. And it could be anything from, you know, my career started with what's the next, you know, camcorder for Samsung, the next shopping experience for furniture at Target. Um, and now I am likely going to jump into a project on what is Illinois' response to mass shooting. So, <laughs> so it could be any of those challenges, opportunities using, again, these values, methods, practices to figure out what to go do uh, in a strategic, creative way. Okay. So you can see my face. So you can see how yeah. wide I'm smiling, how high up my eyebrows are. If people yeah. are just listening to this in the first 30 seconds, you've blown my mind yet again. Yeah. This is insane. So again, yeah. people that are listening, you have these you have a mind and a skill set, a defined skill set and a methodology that allows you to really identify challenges, figure out who's the challenge really for, and try to figure out like mm -hmm. what is a solution that would help these people rather than being like, we're going to build a thing. It's like, no, no. Mm -hmm. Do these people need a thing? What type of Absolutely. a thing? Yeah. And so you gave some examples, camcorders, shopping at Target. How do we respond yeah. to mass shootings? Um, a person with this skill set not everybody has this skill set. Not everybody has mm -hmm. this mindset. And again, you've done it, in my opinion, in some of the most impressive places on the planet. Um, how does somebody get to where you are today? You just yeah. moved, by the way. You're you're a mother yeah. of two, uh, an insane professional, one of the most intelligent and creative people I know. Okay, Maybe. just like bring me back. Maybe like... I don't know if you know me. <laughs> we can see. Well, let's see what you say at the end of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And I will tell the story of how we met, but okay. bring me back like high school Maris. What are you into? What yeah. kind of person are you? What are you oh, listening gosh. to? Like, how do you get to where you are today? Oh, high school Maris. Who oh, is she? Lord. Wow. That's a great question. Um, high school. I can say like senior year of high school. I took an architecture class. If that helped, like that was, I, there was an architectural drafting class. So that was like senior year of high school. I I went to I guess graduating going into college I was I had grown up in an overnight camp and so I was going to be a camp counselor so I would say those two things probably hold a lot of where my future took me between like design and camp and people went to college did the RA thing like that okay. those two things so though that's sort of what I was I don't know doing where did you grow up <laughs> I grew up outside Chicago, a suburb called Lincolnwood, just outside the city. Um, yeah, I live right there, dude. Yeah, you live right there. 
Yeah, I literally yeah. live right there. Wait, yeah, was the, I grew up the bagel there. shop was there on Tui. Yeah, the, the bagel shop bagel. was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which grew recently, right they just changed their hours for the first time since I've been I, alive. It's like not open 24 hours a day now, right? Is that the I, Yeah. I used to get such joy out of telling people, they go 24 7, 365. Yeah. And then I went there one night after like a concert, it was like 2 a.m. And I'm like, they're closed. I mean, good for them. They shouldn't be there. Yeah, time, yeah, that's right? true. You know. Wait, did you anyway. go with Sam Rosen? Do you know? I mean, I'm. Do you do you know Sam Rosen? I don't know if I know Sam Rosen. Like the desk pass dude. One. Oh, color. you know my husband knows Sam Rosen. Yeah, I don't, okay, I don't know yeah, Sam yeah. Rosen. Did he grow up in Lincolnwood? Really? He did. I don't he know did. If I knew that. Okay. Yeah. yeah his mother yeah. was an artist, and she was the influence for this Netflix series of that stars really? Lily Tomlin about an artist, and the artist is his mother. Oh my god, that's amazing! I, I gotta totally could be talking shit. I don't know. I'm pretty that's sure that's really the story. Cool. Okay. Okay. okay so you grew up in Lincolnwood. Okay. You have this yes. empathetic background. People, camp, nature. Yes. You know, helping yep, yep. others. And then you take this like architecture class, which is kind of like more linear in design. And then yeah. what happened in college? What do you study in college? Where do you go? Yeah. Kind of right from there. I studied architecture and psychology. Um, was interested in design. Yeah, right. It was the two, right? It all makes sense. I never went back. I always start in college. I'm like, oh, I guess those things were coming from before there. But um, you know, I, I said architecture and psychology was always interested in design and people um thought those things had to be separate. You know, there was I would say in architecture, the only people we spoke about were dead architects and psychology. <laughs> there was lots of design, but you would never talk about it was never referenced as design or thought of as designing anything. Um and so I, I graduated and thought like, okay, I have to choose. Am I going to do something about design? Am I going to do something about people? And like, thank God, found a man who connected me to Gravity Tank um, very early in my career. And uh, Wait, how yeah. long after college did you end a Gravity Tank? So I, I, I went abroad for a year and volunteered, came back home. Um, and and then I was working, I worked as a building inspector, actually, in Lincolnwood. It was pretty okay. wild. Um, had no business doing this, but was inspecting properties and um, dealing with a lot of chaos, uh, trying to change the building code so that people wouldn't overbuild their properties. I ended up leaving because my parents' house got egged as a as a response to us passing the building codes. That's another long no. story. I'll talk about that later. People Not because of me. Okay, because, okay, okay. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Anyway, um, while I was a gravity tank, I w I think before actually before gravity tank before gravity before I was a building inspector, I was interested in product design. So I'd studied architecture, was always kind of overwhelmed by how big it was, how expensive it was, how you could make a drawing and build a model that was, you know, this big and then suddenly like the real thing was huge and I always yeah. felt like there's such a jump and and it's scary, like a lot of space is not designed well and I don't know. I just felt like it was too big of a thing for me. And so I thought, hmm. you know, products felt a lot more approachable and I like, it's funny. I'm a minimalist. I don't really like stuff, but I love well-designed things, even if I don't have them myself. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was, I was interested in that and, and product design and through that connected to somebody who then connected me to gravity tank. I went in and did an informational interview and they were very kind. And I met with two people who said like, yeah, what you're doing makes sense. Uh, or like what you're interested in makes sense. There's this world out here of research and design, um, but you have no experience. Go get a job and come, you know, call us later. I think they were seven people at the time. They wow. weren't hiring. Um, they definitely weren't hiring me because I had no experience in anything. Um, so I got a job, worked as a building inspector. And, and, and then, you know, three years later, when my parents' house got egged, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's time to call up those places. 
Um, and really they were at the top. I think they were like the 20th on my list. This was back in the day when you would call places. Like I don't even know what the web was, if I knew it existed or not. Um, and they, they said, you know, sure, send us your portfolio or send us your resume. So I mailed the portfolio and a resume. Um, and that was, and thank God, I don't know. It's a miracle, but they took me and kind of taught me everything I know. (laughs) So Uh, so that's how I got to do everything. Okay, okay. So by the time I, again, for folks that are not yeah. in the world, Gravity Tank, for for again in my yeah. world, that that was like the, it was the place. It was a for people that it made sense to. Because again, for, for folks that mm-hmm. are listening, it's like, yeah, everything you see, touch, taste, smell, or hear has been designed yeah. for a certain purpose or a certain outcome or a certain experience. And sometimes mm-hmm. we see things, whether it's a product, we're like, oh, it looks, it feels so good. And I feel good when I have, but mm-hmm. most people don't realize all the work that goes into it, the psychology, yeah. the ethnography, the research. Yeah. And so Gravity Tank, again, for folks that don't know, is they took this, what's called a human centered approach to designing mm-hmm. things, either products mm-hmm. or services or businesses, mm-hmm. right? And this yeah. was like, rather than like, I got a great idea, let's build a thing. It's like, wait. Who do you think mm-hmm. it's for? What problem is it solving? How deep yep. is the problem? When does the problem occur? And when you go through a design process like that, that is centered around the human that this product, service, or business will, will um, solve for, you get a very mm-hmm. different outcome, right? Absolutely. And yep. so when you say that you study like architecture and, and psychology, right? Was that what mm-hmm. it was in college? Yeah. That is the perfect marriage, right? Because mm-hmm. psychology comes to like the human and the brain and the emotion and our experience mm-hmm. as humans. And then the design, the architecture is kind of like, will the building fall down? Will it be designed well, right? Uh-huh. It's That's like- engineering. The falling down was not us. <laughs> it was like, is it laid out well, right? I mean, it should be. Son, you, the oldest we just talked about, he's like, I want to be a civil engineer. And I was like, you hate math. I don't know. If uh-huh. this is in your future, maybe there's somewhere on the continuum of you know, yeah. civil and urban uh, design where, where you will live. Um, okay. So again, gravity tank, you land yeah. at the, it is like, in my opinion, it is the pinnacle of a great design can yeah. be, should be, and will be. And how long were you at gravity tank for? I was there for over eight years. So okay. it was, it was a really remarkable, intense, um, all the things kind of place, but really it, yeah, I was very lucky to land there, not even knowing at the time. I think I don't even know what we were calling it when I got there. I remember there were versions of, okay, we're this, we're this. I think when I left, we were an innovation consulting firm. Um, now I, you know, we talk about the world of human centered design. I don't even know if that language existed, if we used it when I was there. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And I, I was very lucky. I guess looking back, I, the company was very small. I think I was like the 17th person there. Um, when I left, it was closer to a hundred, maybe 90, 85, 90 something people. Um, and I, I think I had, you know, I had gotten there. I had never known, I I was always trying to design things or make things better for people. You know, when I had this building inspector job and it was kind of nuts, um, you know, my, my colleague and I wanted to, our job was to do one thing, which was to inspect properties and deal with property maintenance stuff and, you know, make sure construction was being built properly. Um, what I cared about was how the town had a lot of potential. You live right there. So, you know, it's like, it's right on the edge of the city. It could be really great. It's always like, it always could be better, but kind of isn't. Um, and so I had a one, an incredible colleague who was an architect who had come from Croatia and she was living there and had this vision. And so we kept thinking like, we can make this place better. And that wasn't actually part of my job. Like that was 
what Ooh. we liked to do in our job. And, and we had the freedom to do it. We had a, a boss who let us mm -hmm. kind of do what we wanted in addition to our work. And so I guess that was something that I didn't know was happening at the time, but I, I turned my job into what I, you know, did the stuff I had to do and then did the stuff I wanted to do. And when I applied to Gravity Tank, the stories I told and the portfolio pages I added um, were non-traditional, but they were they were us trying to better design this town or improve the streetscape, um, change the building codes to make it more human, more livable, more in scale and proportion, less flooding. Like those, I was doing stuff that I, again, I don't even know if I knew that I was doing it. I wasn't necessarily doing it intentionally to get a job, but it was the stuff that I cared about. And again, those are the stories that got me into Gravity Tank without even knowing what design thinking, human-centered design, mm. what it was at the time. I just said, like, here's a situation. It's not, it, it could be better. Here's what I did to make that situation better. Um, and okay, that, where does that yeah. come? Because that's a big point. I don't want to gloss over this. Yeah. The, a, a, you know, a, a, a thread that probably is following with you is making mm -hmm. things better, right? Mm -hmm. Not just doing your job, but like, the job becomes making things better. I always tell people for, for a creative or a designer, one of the hardest things is that everywhere we look, we see a challenge that can be solved. Whether it's like, mm -hmm. why is that door handle vertical and not yeah, horizontal? Yeah. Who made that ad campaign? Why yeah. is that light where it is? Yeah. Like every, and yeah. so we do it in service of trying to make things better for people. But mm -hmm. I have to like hit rewind again. Like as a kid, like I heard, mm -hmm. we started at high school, but like, where does mm -hmm. this empathy and making things better come from? Were your, were your folks similar in this vein? Like what, what yeah, were they you know, like? It's funny. My mom is a designer, an artist, and my father was an attorney. So, but, so, but he was always helping people. He always had lots of clients who weren't paying him, who he was mm -hmm. helping. So I think okay. he was always in the soup kitchen. It still is, you know? So it's, okay. I think my dad was, you know, doing the service. And my mom was doing service through design. She would always, you know, volunteer to do the newsletter or whatever it was. But I, there was, yeah, I think, you know, I, my mom, I have memories of my mom having stuff on her easel and, you know, stepping back and her squinting and saying, which one, this or this. So I, I grew up with rubber cement in a basement that smelled like rubber cement glue and with an X-Acto knife. And so there was definitely like always paper and good markers in our house. So I definitely grew up that way. And, and I even remember when I was a kid, my mom, when she left and started working in a studio, I remember she had like purple walls in the studio she went to work in. And my dad's office was very brown. And I remember being like, I want to work in the purple a world oh. of like white and purple, right? Versus brown is not my thing. So that is deep. So, I, so early I knew there was a design thing. I just didn't know. I didn't know what it would be. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, the combination of those things has always been part of my life, I suppose. The example I always bring up is this this music video for the band Blind Melon in the 90s. And there's this music yeah. video of this young girl walking the streets of L.A. She's in a bumblebee costume. And uh -huh. um, everyone's laughing at her and pointing at her and ridiculing her. But then at the end of the video, she's like all sad. And she looks up and she comes across a vacant lot. And it's filled with people wearing the same bumblebee outfit. Amazing. And she finds her tribe, her Ohana, yeah. her crew, her community, yeah, whatever yeah. you call it. And it, yeah, it yeah. sounds like, you know, is part of your your crew your community and your work is like making things better but specifically mm -hmm. making them better through looking at the needs of humans on the psychological mm -hmm. end and the human centered and ethnography and then designing mm -hmm. things using actual great design methods to make mm -hmm. experiences services products just that make people's yep. lives better okay yeah 
you've done this a lot of places and you've done some yeah. really cool stuff. Uh, again, my mom probably listens to this. Uh, yeah. But you know, right. but again, like, like Chris Conley's going to listen to this. Right. And like, you know, like lots of like executives uh-huh. listen to this. Like uh-huh. what are some things when you look back and again, we are no way done with you, the, the story and the tale uh, yeah, of Maris yeah. Garcia. When you start to look back, what are some of the highlights you think about projects you had the privilege uh, to be a part of things that you can now look back in the world. Like I was a part of that. What are some things that mm-hmm. jump out to you as memories? Yeah, it's funny. I was just, as I'm thinking about this potential project uh, responding to mass shootings, I was actually just uh, chatting, I think on LinkedIn with Chris Conley, who you just mentioned. Um, and Weezy. we had a big one. <laughs> Weezy. Uh, and uh, because a woman, we, we had done work with an organization called Broca. Um, they're a group in Boston uh, or in Chelsea outside of Boston. And now they've gone more national, but they get kids off the streets, the kids who have fallen through the cracks, the kids who everyone has given up on gang members, you know, men who've been convicted or in prison, you know, pregnant young women, like they, young moms, they, they go after these kids and they, they help them become part of society and get them, you know, education, get them into jobs, get them clean, get them just really, it, it's remarkable. A, a, just a total life changing wow. experience to be around this organization. And so um, when I was learning about this potential project, I had seen that like in that same moment, Molly Baldwin, who's the, the executive director of this program popped up um, and LinkedIn. And I was, you know, sort of listening to her give not a Ted talk, but a similar kind of thing. And um, again, message Chris. And we were just talking about like, Oh, how game changing that project was on, on many levels. It was just remarkable. I highly recommend check out roca.org, donate money to them. They're remarkable. Um, but one of the things that they did, which honestly led to one, some of the best work I've ever done in my career, was they they had mentioned when we were um, working with them that they had been successful getting gang members to come together at first to talk to each other, but they weren't successful at getting them to change their behavior or their lives um, until they found that the stages of change, I, mean, I will always bring everything back to the stages of change, but there is this behavior okay. change model that I love that they mentioned, which was this Prochaska and De Clemente, these two uh, psychologists, they created this, this, this model to help people quit smoking in the 70s and the late 70s and the 80s. And they mapped their programs and their services all around like the, how this model works. And wow. then they started to see significant change in the lives of these these young people. And so fast forward many years later, I was working on this project, had a ton of data. It was all about teachers and how successful teachers. The question was, you know, it was with an organization called One Goal, also an incredible organization, um, trying to get kids to graduate from college. And we were doing data or doing research to understand how were their most highest performing uh, teachers successful? What, What was it that was helping them encourage their students or, or get their students to increase their grades and test scores. Had a ton of data, couldn't figure out like what mattered the most um, until I remembered that model that this organization had used and kind of Googled it and was like, what are the stages of that thing? Posted on the wall, all the data just like flew from one organized board, which wasn't getting anywhere to another. And it all clicked and Ooh. was just just the most amazing thing. So that, that to me, I don't know, even know the original question was something about maybe what stood out, but that work with Roca, that behavior change model, applying that model, which is used all the time in healthcare. Um, and in so many ways, I don't know if it's, if it's often used in education, but we brought it into the education space and it just 
really crack the problem we had, which was like, what is it that these teachers are doing? And we were able to map the mindsets and behaviors that students have to this uh, framework and what the different, the high performing teachers were doing in each stage of, of that model that was encouraging yeah. their students to not encourage it, like helping their students actually change their mindsets and behaviors. So it's interesting. We always yeah, say that like, was really exciting. No, it is. Cause we see like looking outside. I always tell people like, look outside of your industry. You're having a problem. You need, yeah, look yeah. outside your industry. I remember I, so I worked in public education for years and there's this big project we're trying to do. And it was about, uh, it was around teacher education. How do we educate mm-hmm. You know, teachers and change the mindset specifically around like right, teaching science, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, if anybody knew how to do this, it'd be done already, right? Mm-hmm. Like there'd be something somewhere. So we like boiled it down. We're like, who takes people that have an mm-hmm. altruistic desire to like make good change in the world and uh-huh. train and develop them to the point that at the end of this, uh, you know, the, the, the development, they're changed mm-hmm. for life and they identify yeah. with that thing for life. And the, one of the examples were like, well, Marines, like I knew my, like my, my yeah. Like, yeah, I know yeah. Marine. If you're a Marine, you're a Marine for life. Like, yeah. What do they do? Yeah. How do they do it? What yeah. are the cool. tenants? And so again, it's always about like, you know, yeah. thinking about the people you're trying to solve, looking outside of industry, looking for yeah. other examples. It's cool that this one example for you came back. Full yeah. I also have oh, to yeah. tell you that as you talked about this opportunity about response to mass shootings, mm-hmm. I love street art. And we just mm-hmm. talked before we got on about the street artists in Chicago penny pinch. And my mm-hmm. kids were little, we would walk the streets and we, if whoever would spot a penny pinch yeah, sticker, right. would you get to pinch the other people's tush? And my daughter would be like, <laughs> penny pinch, and she squeezed my butt. But um, when I, I was a teacher, I think it was a teacher at Chicago Public Schools at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, there was just so much violence in our school. It was, yeah. it was horrible. I mean, you know, Chicago, for folks that don't know Chicago, the church in the school are the center of every neighborhood because when they built the neighborhoods, those were the centers of the neighborhoods. So there's a mm-hmm. school every three, four, five blocks. And our school would let out at three o'clock. The school a few blocks away let out at like 2.45. So their mm-hmm. gangs would be waiting for our gangs every day mm-hmm. after school. And it was insane. And there were shootings and there were fights. And it was, I have enough stories to fill thousands of yeah. hours of podcasts. But I, I remember at one point I was like, what can I do? in my purview, mm-hmm. in my little zone of influence. And at the time I was sketching, I was drawing and, and sketching a lot. And so mm-hmm. I made these paste-ups like uh, street art. And it was mm-hmm. a young kid with a backwards hat and a speech bubble that said, please stop shooting me. I want to, mm-hmm. and it'd be like, grow up to be a scientist. I want to have a family. And I, and I would go out throughout the day and wow. I would paste these around the city, right? Yeah. Like a street artist. Yeah, okay. And I put one of these up. And as I'm walking back to my car, I thought I was slick. It was in the middle of the day. Yeah. Uh, a cop car pulls up. And oh, this guy yeah. says, uh, this guy leans out the window, <laughs> you know, uniform police officer. And oh, mind my you, God. I forgot this part. I had just come from a meeting downtown, like a board of ed meeting. I'm in a shirt and tie and I had had one in my briefcase and I pasted one up. And he goes, hey, man, where can I get one of those uh, stickers you just put up? And I was like, excuse me? I I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, do we saw you we were sitting at the corner you didn't see us we uh-huh. watched you you reached yeah. it you took the brush we, we saw you put it right there and i was like oh my god i'm totally gonna get arrested how am i gonna explain this and so i remember i literally in a moment of defeat i just like shoulders shrugged i walked up to the police car and i was like listen man i'm a chicago police or i'm a chicago teacher i am just sick and uh-huh. tired of watching kids get shot i just thought this was one way i could try to get a positive message out there yeah he's like 
oh no man we love it he's like we want one to bring back to the, to the police yeah, yeah 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 and I'm that's like, oh, amazing. Dude, there you go. And i gave it to him and he went that's amazing. So, yeah again awesome. I, I you know what's interesting about that and what we're talking about is like where can we have impact in mm-hmm. an opportunity to help people in perhaps a, a non-traditional way i think sometimes mm-hmm. when people think about large problems like 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 you know generational poverty racism um you know the uh, shootings and violence the the first reaction for a lot of people probably tends to be the same is like you know systems change politicians Mm -hmm. throw money at it and oftentimes that is the least helpful thing to do and so it's so beautiful to hear that you've made a career uh a really phenomenal career that's not even halfway done yet. If we look at the numbers, let's be real. I'm going to be doing this forever. <laughs> but you've made a career out of just trying to make things better for people, utilizing a really, really kind of creative way and a well-documented process and methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question for you that mm-hmm. you said when you were gracious enough to tell me about your mother and your father and how they were, mm-hmm. they both had elements of service, but they did it kind of one brown and one purple. I love the way that's set up. You now as a mother, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious, what are you seeing in your children? Because they're at ages now where you're going to, you yeah. start to see what they get from you and what they get oh, from yeah. your, your husband, right? What are they getting from you on this? From from all of this or for, what, what do they get? Um, yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I think what we hope they get, what they do get. There's There's definitely... I think living in the city um, brings a lot of things, you know, like, I guess if I think of my life as, you know, design in the social sector or trying to use human centered design to make, again, to make things better, to make things less worse for people. Mm -hmm. um, I think they get both of that. Like my husband's also a designer um, and also done a lot of work in this space. And so we, we, the way that we set up our house, we're very intentional about things. And so I think they probably, hopefully we're not messing them up, but <laughs> they're, we're very particular about things. It's probably why it's taking us a really long time to move into our place because we want everything to be a certain way. Um, but like we, you know, even like their bedrooms, you know, there's, there's intention behind what, behind how those are set up and certain colors or how things work together. And a lot of it's, it's like, it's both, you know, design, but design and efficiency and, I think we talk about design and not in a designy way, but just in a, like a problem solving way and a lot of like how we want things to work and how, you know, Antonio is a, my husband is a like incredible systems designer. The whole house is like on a system. He's got everything ordered and um, working like a, like a, a system. And so I think maybe they see that or they're growing up in a house that's, that's organized in that kind of way. And that's run in a certain systemic way. Um and then I think on the, the maybe social sector side, you know, being in the city is different than I think being in the suburbs, even where I grew up right outside the city. You know, my kids would go to the Walt Disney Magnet School right off Lakeshore Drive, and there are tents um, across, you know, people sleeping outside right down the their school. There. I live right behind yeah. Fort Worth Hospital, yeah. I live right down the street from Disney. Yeah. Yeah. So that they see that there is, um, you know, with all the migrant migrant families that are here, the building next to their school is is housing, you know, so many people right now. And so we talk about it, we see it, we do things to try to, you know, I, I feel completely helpless and like, there's never enough we can do, but we, we try to involve them in different things. You know, I'm Jewish, we were celebrating Hanukkah, we had, mm-hmm. you know, had the kids doing certain things during Hanukkah to to you know, like put together bags. You know, driving in the city, mitzvah. you hand you out mitzvah, different things. Right? Yeah, so you like involve the kids in 
in contributing and in knowing that it's their responsibility and uh, to to help and to take care of people. So again, it feels very little to assemble a, a toothbrush and some you know things and a mm -hmm. gift card and a bag to hand out to people on the street. But there's some little things and, and bigger things that we try to do to. We try to, you know, I don't know what they necessarily, who knows what they will pick up, but I think they see us doing certain things um, to do that. And, and I think Antonio would talk a lot about work at dinner. Maybe that's boring. I don't know if they, if they, they probably just want us to stop talking, but I think we, we were very honest about, our, and not afraid to tell them things. Um, sometimes maybe we go too far and maybe tell them more than we should, but I think we, we talk about things. Um, we don't, we, we shield them from things, but we also expose them to things that, um, I don't know, are, are important to us and that are happening out, outside our house. And so um, I, I guess I'll see what they, they take as they keep going. But I think they're, they're quite sensitive. And uh, I, my son is definitely, you know, he's nine and, and says a lot of things that I, I can tell that this is so, you know, seeping into him and, and how he, and, and questions he has and things that he wants to do. So. So interesting yeah. when we think about, you know, like I was very fortunate. I grew up in a wonderful household. My parents are the, the greatest human beings ever. Hardworking, mm -hmm. just amazing, would give anything to anybody at any time. But what we knew about the human condition in the late seventies, mm -hmm. early eighties is a lot different than what we know about yeah, it now. Yeah. And so, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say things like, oh, like in the 50s, they had kids, you know, and in like the 70s, you know, they, yeah. um, they lived with kids and but like, now we're, we're now raising kids, you know, and yeah. I think that like, it's going to be really interesting to see when our children, again, like we have, our kids are, are right around the same ages in some ways, you know, like same generation, mm -hmm. I guess, but like when they're adults, the world's mm -hmm. going to be so different and yeah, unique sure, wow. and the way that we, the way that I hear you talk about how you raise them, about illuminating them to challenges, uh, mm -hmm. showing them a way that things can be better and a way to do things in a, in a certain way. I think that the world, I'm hoping the world will be a much different and, and somewhat better place because we're going to have really intelligent kids that maybe mm -hmm. start with empathy, you mm -hmm. know, start with empathy as a point of trying to understand why these problems exist rather than just, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just told my wife a story last night. It was like the most horrible thing is like when I moved to this new neighborhood, these kids were making fun of this, an Asian kid moved into our neighborhood. They're making fun of them. And like to, to this day, it sticks in my head. And I was like, oh, that's so terrible. Like is children can be so, children can be so beautiful and innocent. They could also be so mean, you know, and terrible. And like, I think now like that the way we try to raise our kids, it sounds like you is the same. It's like understanding the richness that comes from these different cultures. What can we learn? How can we help? Mm -hmm. I just think we're, hope we're setting people up, our kids up for such great mm -hmm. success. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't, it's I didn't hard. tell you ahead yeah. of time. I might ask you about parenting, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like we're, I'm at the stage in life where 90% of my conversations end up talking about parenting. Yeah, I know. It takes up a lot, it's a lot of time and energy, but I, I guess another answer to that question is just gratitude. I think I've realized I was mentioning to you earlier, just the series of of all the things that have happened in the last couple of months where we moved, which was nuts. And then, you know, October 7th happened and you know, mm -hmm. there's war in Israel and Gaza. And that's been very difficult on so many levels. Um, my son broke his foot. I got laid off. Like all these things kind of happened in a, in a big series. And we're really at the same time, we're so lucky. Like we have lots of resources, we have lots of privilege. And I think that's something, you know, having to 
kids who are, you know, coming from where they're coming from, I think we like we let them know how much privilege they have and and, and not to not to be me, you know, not to knock them down, but like really trying to to teach gratitude and to, you know, help them appreciate what they have and and how lucky they are. Dude, if so. my kids heard this podcast, you would see yeah. they'd be like, if I hear dad say gratitude and kindness one more time, because yeah. that's my thing. Like yeah. all, there's two rules in the house. Gratitude yeah. and kindness. Be grateful and yeah. be kind. That's it. Everything else yeah. we'll figure out. But like you try. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really hard. No, you're a teenager. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um yeah. so let me ask you. I, I totally have like now yeah. I just need to like again, my brain just goes okay. Yeah. You've done so much cool stuff. You've done so much helpful mm-hmm. stuff. Um, we just talked about some of the challenges that are facing the world right now. We talked about parenting. You know, mm-hmm. if you had, because again, right now you are you're you're welcoming in the next opportunity, right? Where is mm-hmm. Maris gonna land next? What what mm-hmm. what challenges is she gonna solve? What great thing, how, what what group of people is she gonna help? Um if there was no budget issue, no time issue, no resource issue, is there a specific challenge, a specific group of people, a specific thing that you're like, if I had the unlimited resources team, this is what I want to go after. Is there a thing that keeps you up at night where like, that is the one thing, or is it like you can help anywhere, anytime? Yeah. There are a lot of things keeping me up right now. I don't know that I, <laughs> that I could go solve them. Um, yeah. I th- I think one thing one thing I wonder, you know, like what in my, I say free time, I don't know if it's free time. Cause it's, it's like trying to like raising kids is hard. Raising kids and working is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, again, we're really lucky. We have it so much easier than, than so many people, but it's still, I always say that it's still really hard. I have, I, I always say, I don't know how anyone's not married to my husband and raise kids, raises kids. Cause he's just, <laughs> he's just incredible with what, you know, how we manage all of this. I, I couldn't imagine not doing this without him, but Dude, I sidebar. wait, wait, sidebar. Okay. I told you earlier, like I would stalk the gravity tank uh-huh. website, right? Be like, okay. Uh-huh. I got to connect with these people. And then greater good. I'm like, Oh, I got to apply there. I'm going to stalk all these people. Uh-huh. When he dad, well, I was like, I oh, yeah. if I have to awesome. kill, if I yeah. got to sell one of my yeah. kids, that was <laughs> so when we get done here, you got to be like, yeah. this old guy over yeah. here. Okay, anyway, sorry, yeah. Sorry. You guys got to chat. So you have an amazing um, husband. He's a great yeah. father. What, yeah, what are you and, trying to talk? And I, I think we're always we're like because of this design background and the, I don't know. We we met at Gravity Tank, and so that we kind of come from this world of of problem solving, and so we're always trying to hack or survive our own life. And so um, there's something about I don't know, and maybe because it's very much the world we're in of like working parents trying to survive. Um, and work and do all the, th- I guess that's working parents trying to work is <laughs> a little redundant, but like in the, in the time that I have that I'm not doing work um, or being with my kids, a lot of it is, is creating tools or frameworks or things to manage our life. And so there's times when I'm thinking like, could we, would we I ever do this? Like help, like create a system or tools or consult or do something to help, you know, parents who are trying to to survive and and ideally more than survive uh to thrive thrive figure out how to do that so we have i mean it's it's all kinds of different stuff and i don't know exactly i I don't know i don't know where it would go but like we've got like meal planning things we've got all kinds of systems and things to try Um, to again to do all of this and so yeah you have 
You have the spreadsheet. You have the greatest spreadsheet. Oh, I know. And I scrapped the spreadsheet. We were on to a product now. So the meal planning spreadsheet. Yeah, I know. That was so geeky, oh, but. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Okay, because now it's bringing me back. I reached out to you. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I should look on LinkedIn. I reached out to you. I was like, wait, years ago, you shared this spreadsheet. And uh -huh. it was kind of like, if it was like decade by decade. Or oh, five yeah, years, yeah. And it was like, yeah, where yeah. was I working? Where was I living? What did yeah. I learn? Where did I go? And I was like, this is the most beautiful yeah. way to think about your life. And again, folks that are listening to this, this is important. We spend so much time worrying about the future, ruminating on the past in a negative way that we're, A, we're never present. One of the mm -hmm. best ways to be present is to give gratitude to where you've been. And you, I have it somewhere in my Google Drive. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the show yeah, notes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Maris made this spreadsheet that basically it's like a very simple way for folks to look at like every few years, like again, like where was I living? Mm -hmm. Where was I working? What was I doing? I think it was like, where did I travel to? Or who was in my life? I, and, you know better than I do. I haven't looked at that in a while. Right? But, yeah, yeah. And, and I, when I filled it out, it, it really I gave love that you filled it. You filled it out? I oh, love that you did that. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you did that. People should, wow. like, if you don't want to go to therapy, fine. Fill out this spreadsheet. It is so oh, therapeutic great. because it gives you a moment to be like, oh, my gosh, like, if you are like me and you beat yourself up a lot, you can yeah. look back like, whoa, I've, yeah. I've lived places. I've done stuff, even though yeah. I, maybe I lived in the, oh, yeah. So now it makes I sense. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it all makes yeah. sense. The, the design in the systems mm -hmm. for Antonio and your uh, you know, work and in, in passion for designing and making things better, it, it really, what I, maybe I cut you off. I think I did, but you were starting to talk about like, you'd want a, something to help make people's lives easier as working parents. Is that what I heard? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's so much the space I'm living in, and it's you know, I, I think one of those one of the things that I challenges I've had in the social sector is, um, like I don't know, being a not being appropriate, but like I'm a, I'm a very I'm a white woman, you know, and so knowing like where I sh like where it, where it's good for me to play and, um. I don't know. I, I I think that's something that I think about when I do the work that I do. I don't speak Spanish. Um, I really wish I, I I can speak some Hebrew. I really wish I spoke more Spanish. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot that I feel like I'm I'm not um, the right person to do. And I I do a lot of work with other people and find partners to do work with to be you know to to be representative or to be authentic in certain spaces. Um, I think as a parent, like I am a parent, and so I understand that space well. I guess that's one of the things I'm saying. It's like I I would. I, I feel like that's something that I could contribute to in a meaningful yes. way and not assume certain, I don't know, not like just, I have an authentic experience in that world. And so oh, um, not I in everybody's see. parenting world, like everybody has different experiences. And again, I have my, my, my world. I understand. I try to understand other people's world as well, but um, I think that's, that's something that feels like, again, it's just really hard no matter who you are. Um, I think, I don't know anyone who's parenting and, and finding it to be really easy. So yeah, don't check social media. You got these yahoos out there. Like, And here's the other thing too, is that, you know, it's this, this, uh, mantra, Derek Sivers, you know, talks about how simple is not easy and difficult is not hard. Mm -hmm. You hear this, simple right? Is not so easy. Think, yeah. Oh, that's so, good. That's great. Right. I like things that. that are simple, yeah, that. Things that are simple yeah. are like point A to point B. But yeah. things that are easy are not strenuous. Yeah. 
Okay. Things that are difficult are multi-step. They, they don't make sense. They're, they're difficult steps and stages to go through. Things that are yeah. hard are grueling and hard. Yeah. So the example is a marathon. A marathon mm -hmm. is simple. Put mm -hmm. on your shoes, run 26.2 miles, right? Mm -hmm. It's not difficult, meaning you don't have to like do a hula hoop and then walk on your hands. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, no, just run from point A to point B. Yeah. But it's, yeah. So it's simple, but it's hard. It's yeah. grueling physically and emotionally. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's really about, cool. again, and when we think about <laughs> parenting, I uh -huh. think that people that like we're talking about parenting and people mm -hmm. are going to listen to this, but I thought she was a designer. Mark was saying she's the greatest designer in the world. Yeah. But parenting is so unique because if you find it to be difficult, it's because mm -hmm. you're doing it well because you yeah, care sure. because the only way to really parent well is to care deeply. Yeah. Right. It was that radical candor care deeply challenge directly yeah. like that thing. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I always tell my kids, you know, I, I got a bit of a, my grandfather had a temper. My dad had a temper. I got a little, but mm -hmm. if I'm yelling, it means yeah. I love you. Cause if I didn't yeah. give a shit, I'd let you do whatever you want and you'd never yeah. hear from me. But when I get so uh, animated and so passionate that I'm like, yes or no, mm -hmm. that's because I care so deeply. So again, I think that yeah. parenting can be viewed as difficult, meaning it can go a million different ways and it's confusing because we're so invested in trying to do the best job we can at it to raise mm -hmm. good humans. Cause that's yeah. what we need. We don't need more devices. We don't need more candy. We need good that's humans right that are empathetic and kind and helpful and intelligent and creative and collaborative. Absolutely. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk. Thank you. Um, yeah. This is so awesome, man. I'm, I can't believe I'm now. Wait, we will oh. tell people. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like blue, I by think, the way. I'm sorry. Yeah. This Sun is, is like going down and I, I didn't plan for this. Go okay. ahead. So my brothers and I, we grew up going to Grateful Dead shows, right? Mm -hmm. uh, traveling around, seeing the Grateful Dead. And every time I go to like a concert with my brothers, we always mm -hmm. play a game, which is who sees more people that they know. And so like mm -hmm. during halftime, we just sit out in the breezeway. But, uh -huh. oh, hey, no, no. And like, it'd be like five to four, six to three. We how have, funny. And, when I started dating my wife, so my wife and I, uh, I think we were dating at the time. No, we were just married at the time. We went mm -hmm. to see the band Mumford and Sons up in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, we're going to play the game. She goes, I'm not playing this game with you. You play the, <laughs> she's like, you play it. I don't, it is annoying. I'm like, That's I'm so playing. Funny. And so, I don't see anybody I know the whole concert. I had no idea that I was like a point in that game. That's <laughs> so like, it's the end of the night. One thing my wife and I do when we go to shows, we like to like try to be the last people out. Cause we love to people watch. Right. So uh -huh. we just sit in our yeah. seats and we watch the world go by and we, Oh, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a person. What a cute couple, this and that. And finally they're like, folks, you gotta leave. We walk out to the main, you know, kind of hallway um, yeah. at the uh, Fiserv Arena in Milwaukee. There's nobody there. My wife's uh -huh. like, I got to run to the restroom. I'm the only person in the hallway. You come walking towards yeah. me. And I'm like, oh my God, I know you. And I said, to you, I'm like, I know you, but I don't know you. We've never met. But I'm like, uh -huh. you were to Gravity Tank. And, and you're like, yeah, how do you know who the hell I am? And then you that's came, so and then your husband came out and you introduced me to him. And that's how I kind of sort of met him. And that was the first time you and I met in real life. Funny. Yeah. All because of the stupid game that I played with my myself I mean, and whoever and all else because of marcus about. mumford all the power to him <laughs> how about it yeah he owes us i love it up. right um, um 
Maris, this is awesome. Yes. Thank you so much yeah. uh, for one, responding to the crazy LinkedIn messages I send you every few months, uh, two, for making the time, and three, for sharing openly, for being yeah. honest and, and sharing your story. I hope folks hear this and see that there is a world out there where we can make things different and make things better without mm -hmm. just making stuff first, but maybe asking good questions and yes. centering our solutions and, and hopes on people. Um, is there anything that you need help with that the audience can help you with? Are there things you're trying to do, people you want to meet, feedback you need? Is there anything oh, you wow. need help with? Oh my gosh. Is it, did you write that? I think that didn't come through in the email. I thought there was something <laughs> and, and I, it was kind of jumbled and I should have asked, oh, anything Got I need it. help with? Anything you need um, help with? I think, I think right now, um, optimism. I know this is like maybe for... I, I, I don't know if it's directed just to me or to everybody. I think um, I had mentioned earlier, like the, the it's been a really challenging few months, couple months for me dealing with, you know, the situation in Israel and Gaza. And just, it's, I think there's so many people who are part of this um, on, on different sides in the middle of it all. I feel very much just torn by all of it. Um, and I, th I think we need, you know, there, I, I keep trying to figure out what do we do? How do we, I feel like I have no power, no, not even power. Like how, how can we help? You know, I think that's just, I, it's just, it's just devastating. And, um, I'm seeing so much on, you know, on all different sides of this of people just, just in pain and sort of lots of blame and lots of, um, one way just lashing out and i i understand why like we're all i think in lots of pain um and i i'm looking for like optimism like how do we move like how how do we deal with this how can how do we help being far away from from the location of where this war is happening mm -hmm. um also knowing that this is not just it's not an isolated situation like what yeah. you're talking about previously about anti-semitism and all the other things that are happening in in our own city um like i just i need hope and methods of like what are things we can do how do we listen to each other how do we have comfort difficult conversations i'm you know was having a conversation last night with, with uh close girlfriends about how do we how do we have these conversations and um with people who have different you know come from different places have different yeah. thoughts have are also in pain like we're all trying to figure this out and uh so it's a very big ask, but I think I'm I'm seeking hope and optimism and strategy for how to connect with people and 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 hope that this situation ends, gets better before it gets worse, which is the fear in any way. That's kind of maybe okay. bigger than what it's not really a frame. Maybe it is a framework. I don't know. Um, but I think I, that that's kind of the, the big thing I'm looking for right now is just you know hope and strategy of how we move forward. Okay. So you've got I'm, that. Glad you, I'm glad you <laughs> clarified that. Cause what I was, you said, I need, I need, I need no optimism. And I was going to tell everybody who listens to this to find you on LinkedIn and send yeah. you a positive message and flood your yeah. inbox. Exactly. I mean, it, and I was still going to tell people to do that. So find Maris Garcia on yeah. LinkedIn, send hey. a note of optimism, but more importantly, I'm going to introduce you to somebody mm -hmm. that I think optimistically, I think, think that there is a really keen line 
between the mm. two of you. And I think there's a great opportunity for the two of you to meet and talk. I'll tell you once the episode is over and I'm gladly make the introduction, but awesome. I think with I your skill set, your passion, your background, and with her skill set, passion, background, yeah. and access, I think there could be a really great opportunity for Excellent. change. So I'm going to make Thanks. that intro. I really appreciate that. Of course. Anyway. Um, okay. A big ask, I know. No, so, I, okay. so wrap up. You know. I'm going to put all the great things we talked about links to Roca, links to, um, you know, you. Um, all the places we talked about and the spreadsheet that I still have in my Google Drive. Yeah. I'm going to share that. Um, but thank you again for sharing. Thank Thanks you. for taking the time. And Absolutely. thank you for thinking differently. Ooh, that was thank a good ending. So Whoa. Thank you. Have a wonderful night. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much.